Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my Martina Navratilova podcast. Short but very sweet. She's obviously the greatest living female tennis player and a lesbian icon. I remember, as do many of you listening, back in the 70s and early 80s, as a young lesbian desperate for a role model. And there she was. She was superb. When she was outed by the tabloid press, she weathered the storm. She lost all of her sponsorship deals. She was vilified. She was compared to the more conventional, feminine, stereotypical female players. She was called the most disgusting names. The anti-lesbianism was off the scale. But it meant that we were able to speak about being lesbians proudly and also to resist the hideous prejudice that we were facing because she herself, Martina, was leading the way. Anyway, fast forward to 2010, I'm a journalist and I ask her people, could I interview her when she came to London, which she was about to for an event. And I was absolutely thrilled when I was told yes. The Guardian took the commission, why wouldn't they? And the next thing I knew, I was being shown into her hotel suite and I was told very, very pointedly that I had 20 minutes and no more. So, she was having a hair done, I could see her face through the mirror, I got my voice recorder out of my bag and saw that the batteries had fallen out, so it wouldn't work. And I had 20 minutes and already I was two minutes in. So I just started bumbling about anything and emptied my bag on her bed. And she was watching, probably thinking, what an idiot. And of course there was the usual array of tampons, used tissues, half-eaten chocolate bar, leaking biro. Eventually I started the interview proper, but not before I had said, it was worth becoming a journalist, Martina, just to get to meet you. And she laughed and called me a stalker. Wow. Anyway, the interview went brilliantly. In the end, I had an hour with her and we became friendly and kept in touch. Then, last month, I got to interview her again. This time over Zoom. She was at her home in Miami that she shares with her wife and various animals, parrots, dogs and the like. And I was in London and we had a great chat. And then during Wimbledon fortnight, I got to spend a little bit of time with her before she was struck down with COVID. When we met, we talked about a project that's being set up for the well-being of lesbians, to advance the rights of lesbians, for which she will be an ambassador and play a leading role. Now, I can't tell you any more about that, but if you watch this space, it will be announced or drip-fed to you over the next months. Here's Martina. One of the first things I wanted to talk to you about was just about what you think about Biden and what the hell is happening post-Trump and, and what America's like right now. Because the, the Democratic Party is very uh, so fragmented that it, that's, that, that's one reason, a big reason why we don't have more of a united agenda, right? It's all over the place. That's why the, the, even the feminists are over here, the progressives are over there, the yeah. you know, trans are here. I mean... It's, I find it amusing in a way that it was 1980 where I saw the word homosexual for the first time in print. And it had to do with the AIDS crisis. That they said, oh, there's a disease that's killing 
uh, gay men. And I was like, wow, we're making headlines in a bad way. Um, and it was so unusual to find it, to find an article about the gay population or gay issues or anything until really the 90s. Um, and now there's trends every day you see something trans. Not That's gay true. anymore. It's like, oh, we're done. Even That's though, true. again, in America, you can still fire us for being gay in like 30 states. Even That's though true. we have, we have uh, same-sex marriage, but we don't have anything else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and trans everything. And it's trumping every single yes. issue. But what do you think is the way forward that's fair to trans athletes and sports people and to yeah. women? Well, again, we have no issue with trans men playing in, in men's sport. We have no issue with trans men playing in women's sport if they haven't taken any steroids, any, any uh, hormones. We have no issue with that. We do have an issue with trans women playing because of the built-in advantage. And so, um, no, you can say, oh, there's not that many. Well, maybe not, but it doesn't matter whether it's one or a thousand. Uh, it still is a problem for those women that get displaced by, by those trans women. So I think the way forward is, as you say, more inclusion on the men's side. And then maybe one day when there's enough of trans men and women, they can compete together. The female sport category has got to be protected. We cannot have biological men competing after po post-puberty. The, the, the men that have gone through puberty compete as women later on in their life. The advantage is built in, it's baked in, you cannot take it away. It shocks people to know that someone as reasonable and fair as you has come under such attack in the past from them. Well, yeah, they're trying to terrorise the, the ones without, uh, without a platform, without any power to, to defend themselves. So again, it behooves us who have that power to speak out, to protect protect that, and 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 know that this these these death threats are horrible. No matter whether they're going at people, you know, Emily, Emily had death threats against her, but certainly you had death threats against you on the other side. So death threats of any sort coming from anywhere are wrong, or any kind of threat of violence is just terrorizing. But but the the we know that the trans lobby and, and the people that support them, they're much more vocal and uh, have much more clout right now um, to, you know, get their way and basically bully women into submission. What do you think at the moment about the fact that there are still so few role models in the sporting world who are lesbian or gay? It seems these days they would be less afraid of coming out as trans than gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? Um, yeah. Because it's more acceptable. Because then also, most of them, it seems, they have same-sex attraction, then they then they transition, and now they're heterosexual, basically, in most people's eyes. So mm -hmm. we have, uh, at least for some, it, se it, seems, it seems more acceptable. I don't want to call them cowards, but they are they are wimpy about it, the men. Because there's not one male player that came out while he was still playing, a couple came out after they retired. Yeah. The active players, even the individual sports, golfers, are you kidding? They're all straight? Okay, got it. Um, not one. And women have been out for decades. Tennis, golf, other sports. Basically, the only men that really has come out is have come out were in like the effeminate sports, in, um, in uh, Figure skating. Yeah. And they've, they've <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in the butch sports, they're in the closet. And frankly, in the 80s, it may have been nasty or even dangerous, but now, 
Right. Players could give me shits. Can you play your position? You know, they don't give a damn anymore. Yeah, it's 2022. For God's sake. I mean, as a spectator, the the one thing that I think I'm missing is the the lack of top rivalries in the women's game. So. You know, it seems that no one sticks around long enough to form a great yeah. rivalry. So it's kind of a, a bit of a in-between stage right now with the older players and the younger generation coming into it. But um, but yeah, tennis thrives on not knowing who's going to win, but also on rivalries. You you need those rivalries. Um, Imagine if instead of Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, there would have been 20 people that won majors in those last 20 years instead of three. Yeah. It, you would have more stars, but you would have no superstars. And yes. I think to have a superstar, you need that rivalry. They make each other better. Also in tennis, you're only as good as the ball that the opponent hits, right? You can't hit great shots if you're not forced to hit great shots. So you need those rivalries and the quality. So hopefully we're heading that way, but it's been lacking for the last 10 years on the women's side, for sure. What is important to you to actually be a role model and speak out on behalf of lesbians of all ages, but particularly, I think, young lesbians that are coming out at the moment into this awful world? Well, again, I think the issues now for lesbians is different from what it was 20 years ago. Because of the trans issue, there's no question about it, that they're being pushed into, oh, maybe you're a boy or a man, and you need to, you know, take the steps for that. And we see the, tra the transitioning going on, or being bullied because you're absolutely not going to sleep with a, or have sex with a trans woman. Yeah. Um, by the way, why is it that we don't ever hear about men being bullied for not having sex with trans men? I can't imagine, can you? Have you heard of one instance where no. we have to redefine the word man? No. Can you define no. a man? Can you define a man for me? Well, you know, as that great lesbian comedian said, she said, it's not that I don't like penises, I just don't like them on men. Come <laughs> 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 on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Martina remains one of my absolute heroes. And she's a lesbian icon, not just for my age group, but for young women and older women in countries all over the world. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.